Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Had an idea for the next couple of days here during this All-Star break week. And it involves predictions for next fantasy season based on what we've seen so far this year as it pertains, in general, to draft night. So today, I bring you Dan's predicted all-overdrafted list based on October to February of this 21-22 NBA campaign. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am the aforementioned Dan Bespris, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I know, probably should add an easier last name. You can also just Google search Dan from Hoopball. That's still the easiest way. Yes, sadly, easier than Dan from Sports Ethos. That uh, hasn't really caught on in the Google algorithms yet. It's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S if you just want to spell it. You can also find it in the description of the podcast. A link to the Twitter handle there as well. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. That's sportsethos.com and Ethos Fantasy BK. BK for basketball. So there's no massive rush on this type of thing, and it might change between now and the end of the regular season, and it might even change between the regular season's conclusion and the end of the playoffs, depending on how some things shake out. But based on a few things that we've seen this year, guys that I believe that are perhaps... Maybe they were slipping a little bit. And now have blasted back up the board. And guys that I think are going to get overdrafted next year. And the king of them, and I'll try to work my way kind of down through the list, almost chronologically here. And we're not going to go too far down the board because, like, what's the point of talking about somebody who's going to be overdrafted in the 70s? And if you miss with your sixth-round pick or your seventh-round pick, it doesn't really change what your team's going to be able to accomplish on the year all that much. We're talking about... Guys that are going to get drafted in the top 25, 30, 40 even, based on this year, where maybe that doesn't make the most sense. That's not a really good way to set it up, but let's just start doing it and we'll work our way through. And the number one player, I believe, that's going to get drafted too high next year is LeBron James. Because no one is going to swing the pendulum farther than Braun. He's already the ultimate public favorite. And that's a big public hit this year, by the way, because analysts were largely fading LeBron after last season. It seemed like he was trending the wrong way. This year, his free throw percent is back up a little bit. Everything is just great. He's played a ton of center with Anthony Davis, missing massive swaths of the season due to injury. Everything that could go right for LeBron is going right this year. And really, only the assists are down because he's had to do so much of the other stuff himself anyway. But after... Hanging out. I mean, he's had seasons like top 10 per game NBA seasons lately with the free throw percent down. Number three on a per game basis this season, because of the massive uptick in threes in particular is a big one while still shooting 52% from the field. And the big jump back up to not that horrible in free throw percent. He's no longer a punt free throw guy. That's a huge change. But now depending a little bit on what happens in the offseason, he's probably going to start getting drafted in the top five again, which to me is perhaps putting too much emphasis on this season 
and not enough emphasis on a, a very shallow but notable trend line for him of a bunch of things kind of going the wrong way. He's older. He's basically inhuman with the way that he's aged as slowly as he has, but he's a guy, to me, that when you look at the numbers, I mean, three three-pointers a game while still shooting 52%. It's a lot of that is just what an unbelievable truck he is going to the rim. Some of those things, little by little, are going to start to fade. Do the rebounds peel off a tiny bit? The scoring almost has to peel off a little bit. Kind of have to see what situation he's in next year before you make a call on that. And the 75% foul shooting, does that hold? I mean, we're already seeing it's actually come down a little bit here over the last month, month and a half. Hard to complain. Not really what that was. More just in notable that he's at 71% over the last month after hanging out up in that 77, 78% for most of the season prior to that. So even over the last month, where the free throw number is back down closer to where he was in seasons past, he's still sitting at number nine, which to me is probably maybe a more accurate assessment of where he ought to be. That LeBron should probably be a guy who gets targeted near the turn next year, but I believe because he's been so good this season, because the dialogue on the Lakers has been how terrible Russell Westbrook has been and how injured Anthony Davis has been, all of the positive stuff on LeBron is going to shuffle him way up the board, and he's going to be going there in the top five with Jokic and Steph, Braun, probably Embiid, are, are most likely, I would guess, your top four for next year in some order. Jokic probably first, based on the fact that he's boat racing the, the field again this year. I'd love to say he's going to go too early, but nothing is too early for Nikola Jokic. And then I don't think the rest of these guys have the, the numbers to back up a claim to get into that top four outside of a, a potential punt build. We're not talking about that right now. So LeBron, to me, is perhaps one of your big overdrafts for next season, which is a shame because basically this was your year for value LeBron. It's not a common thing for Braun to be a value guy on draft night, but he did turn out to be one this season, and this is probably the window, which is another element to this whole process. A lot of folks are going to feel like, ah, crap, you know, I missed my chance to get LeBron on a value. Maybe I can still snap him up next year, but it's going to cost you. Next on the overdrafted list going into next season, I believe is Donovan Mitchell who's having a fantastic year at 26 points per game, four boards, five assists. Steals are up. Field goal percent is up. Threes are were already pretty high. But a lot of what we've seen with Donovan Mitchell is the steals being really high and kind of taking advantage of the fact that so many players this year forgot how to shoot. The fact that he's been actually a tiny bit better year over year while his usage has stayed pretty similar and the steals have gone up he might be someone that gets targeted near the turn. But I'm here to tell you that what you're seeing this season is an absolute best-case scenario for Donovan Mitchell on a competitive basketball team. The only way that his situation improves fantasy-wise is if he goes to a team that's less competitive and he convinces himself that he has to do it by himself, as opposed to kind of what we've seen with, like, a Paul George, where 
maybe he could have played through a thing if it really mattered. I know that's weird to say about, you know, an elbow tear, a ligament tear, but that was the story. You know, he was playing through it. He wasn't very good, but he was playing through it. And that's kind of... So I don't want to do a deep dive on Donovan Mitchell because actually what he's done this year, this list is like, it's going to be a list of guys that are overperforming expectations this season, uh, but are also at their apex for fantasy value. So maybe that's the way. The all-overdraft team is really guys who hit their best-case scenario or are currently hitting it in the middle of this season right now. I believe the guy right behind Donovan Mitchell is also experiencing a best-case scenario, and that's Trey Young, who, thanks to sort of a, a light regression among his teammates, with the exception, I think, of John Collins, Trey's had to re-up his usage. Life was supposed to get easier for Trey with Bogdan Bogdanovich around and, and DeAndre Hunter coming back and John Collins still there. Like, he was supposed to be similar to what he was last year, but instead, guys just haven't been that good. He's had to do more. He's upped his three-pointers. His field goal percent is right on the with Donovan Mitchell. They're basically the exact same there. Free throws have stayed good despite the rule changes. He, to me, is also running basically at his apex. Like, do you really think that Atlanta's going to remove other teammates that are taking shots? I don't know what the cap situation is for that team. I don't know what they might consider trying to trade, if it's going to be really about developing the guys around Trey. But I I really can't see a scenario where he has to do more than this year that basically wasn't like three years ago. They want to be able to throttle him back a little bit. That said, he does tend to play through small nagging injuries, which is a reason... uh, that you could draft him and kind of accept that maybe he doesn't hit his per-game mark where you take him. Like, he's probably going to get drafted near the turn next season, and this, again, is a best-case scenario. But he might actually get near that spot on a totals basis. So that one, I you know, I'm, I'm less married to. Like, if you took Trey Young at the front end of the second round, you're like, look, I'm fine with him being a top 25 per game guy. I'm just going to expect him to play about 90% of his team's games, and that's how I'm going to get him to number 13. Fine. This year, again, this is a great scenario. He's number eight by totals because he's been both great on a per game basis, or he has, I should say, improved, and sort of a typically durable season from Trey. DeMar DeRozan is going to get overdrafted next year because he's doing something historic, actually, at this exact moment. And I I don't know that he's going to have that same fire next year. I think we're dealing with a DeMar that has a fire this season. He's gone to a team in Chicago that has other weapons, that's trying to take that big step forward. Zach Levine has already talked about how he's really going to test free agency, that he, he wants to go get what he deserves Maybe he ends up back in Chicago, uh, and maybe this team kind of runs it back. But I don't think there's ever going to be a moment where DeMar is as focused and as dedicated as he is this season. This is the, I'm out of San Antonio. I've been kind of maligned for a a style of play that the NBA's move away from, the mid-range shot. I'm going to Chicago, a hungry team with good young players around me, We're going to go get over the hump, and I'm going to carry them if I have to. 
mentally, physically, he's just not going to be able to do that two seasons in a row. And for so many years, DeMar has been a really easy pick, like around 45 to 55. He's always going to hang out in that range between 40 and 60, basically. And now he's going to get drafted earlier than that because of this one gigantic field goal percent Womper of a season, that's really where he's done his damage. He's the ultimate percentages guy this year. He's a huge positive impact player in both percentages, which is a title that at this point, like to be that good in both, there are some guys that are pretty good in one or very good in one and okay in the other. There's one other player, one in the NBA, who's that big of a positive impact guy when you roll both percentages together, and that's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant and DeMar DeRozan are your two large positive impact percentage guys. Like I said, there's some dudes out there that are okay in both. Like if you go down the board a little bit, you could find LaMarcus Aldridge. He's positive in both, but not all that much. Cat is a positive in both, but... Like, a, like decent in field goal percent and only a little bit in free throw percent. Jimmy Butler is very good at free throw, but he's ever so slightly a positive in field goal percent. Joel Embiid is like a little bit above average in both, but it's Kevin Durant and it's DeMar DeRozan. Those are the guys that are lifting in both categories, not just treading water or moving the boulder forward a little bit. Those are the guys that are actually like rolling the stone. So unfortunately, as fun as it's been to have DeMar this season, and I ended up with him a lot of spots, because he is such a safe fifth rounder, he's not going to be next year, because he's at his apex. Who else in this top chunk is at their apex? I would have said Devin Booker. He was on this list until the Chris Paul news came down, so he's actually not at his apex. He could be asked to do more. I might have said Miles Bridges, except it's possible that Charlotte in the offseason carves out some space for him to be even more for that team. Remember, they have a lot of guys that are taking shots, and they're about as fantasy-friendly a team as you can get. So those are, I guess you'd call those guys kind of the honorable mentions on the overdraft board. And to me, those are the guys kind of inside the top 30 Miles Bridges at 29, so kind of barely slipping in there, that are performing at their apex and don't have a super clear path to more. With Booker and Bridges, again, being kind of honorable mentions because there is actually a path that could open up. We just have to see what happens in the offseason. Like, if Charlotte moves off of one of their other usage guys, let's say they move... What's the deal with Terry Rozier's contract? Does he have one more year? on? I don't remember. He might have a year left. He might be done. Doesn't matter. Let's say that they move off of Rozier somehow, and, or Gordon Hayward. That's not going to happen. His contract is big. And it just clears out another shot and a half for Miles Bridges. He goes from 15 and a half shots to 17 shots. That's how he actually could go higher. We can't make that prediction. We don't know what the offseason is going to bring. The rest of the names that I just talked about over the last, whatever it is, 15 minutes, are guys where it would have to be a huge surprise for them to move into a better statistical spot than they are right now. LeBron James with his teammates hurt half the season playing center. That's as good as it gets, man. I don't know if DeJounte Murray could do a whole lot more, but he certainly could try to match it. Donovan Mitchell, 
not many spots where he could do more where there isn't a, a big... Like, the way he does more is if he goes to a place where they're not winning as much. Because right now, the usage guys around him are Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley. Of course he's taking 20 shots a game. Those guys are fine offensively, but they're not... The Conley's not the creator he was when he was younger, and Boyan's not really a creator at all. A little bit. Get to the free throw line. Poor man's Danilo Gallinari, basically. Slightly stronger. Rudy's not taking many shots. They don't have to worry about a big man hucking it up there. Jordan Clarkson's their second usage guy, and he basically plays when Donovan's not on the floor. Trey Young? Who, what, what could they possibly take away? There's not another usage guy with him on that team. None of those guys is an alpha. The way these teams are going to try to win is to probably bring in a secondary alpha. I don't see them move. Like, wh who cares if the Hawks unload another wing? They have wings that don't need the basketball for days on that team. Life's not going to get easier. Easier, I should say. Life's not going to get more fantasy juicy for Trey than it is right now. With, again, the caveat that health has is a big positive for him. And then, as we just mentioned, DeMar DeRozan. Even if he goes to a place where they're guys around him that take fewer shots, I think he slips back more into that San Antonio mold, which is, you know, it's going to have to be a, a, a long, drawn-out season where he cares. I don't, I don't see how he will care as much as he does this season. Care is actually a big factor in fantasy analysis. It's one of the things we just talked about with Alex on Monday's show, why, you know, we got bamboozled into Paul George. Where was the care there's not a whole lot of care there. Bradley Beal didn't care this year. The guys that care are the guys that are outperforming expectations. Joel Embiid, so much care this season. LeBron, Steph, Freddie Van Vliet, DeJounte Murray, Trey, Chris Paul, somehow that one surprised the hell out of me i didn't think he was going to care this year that's why he was i thought he was going to be in the 20s just tr you know bumbling along there but still beating his adp smoking his adp before this stupid thumb thing demar cares so much miles bridges cares so much i have a really interesting i think you guys are going to like the all underdrafted list but i i think we're probably going to save that for tomorrow's show and I know we're only 19 minutes into this thing. So don't worry, we're not wrapping it up quite yet. I do, however, need to remind you all of something important. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy. But choosing a VPN you trust is just as important. You can't just pick one out of the sky. I do my research. On my sponsors, we don't have people on this show that we don't trust. You know that, or we'd have had a whole bunch of little tiny ones over the years. Because believe me, a lot of folks have come and they were like, hey, we want to do you know a week or two on your pod. I'm like, no, stop it. I only recommend folks that I trust and believe in. And I can say with confidence, the fullest, that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. First, they don't log your online activity. Other VPNs can and do. 
The free ones make their money the same way that your ISPs do. Remember, we talked to you about this over the last couple of weeks. ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. They couldn't do it even if they wanted to. Second, they're the fastest. They use a a service called Lightway. It's a new VPN protocol they built to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried many VPNs. Many of them slow the connection. ExpressVPN does not. Blazing fast speeds. You can do HD video with no buffering, same as you were before. And the last thing that really sets them apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills, because I'm sure when you guys hear me talk about ExpressVPN, you think I'm adjusting my bifocals and getting deep into the nerd weeds here. You just install it, turn on the app, and tap one button. Or, if you're on a, if you're on a uh, smart device, you don't even have to install it. You just turn on the app and hit one button. Grandpa can do it. Business Insider, The Verge, many other tech journals, they all agree with me and rate ExpressVPN number one in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our special link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, and get three months extra on your 12-month package. So 15 months for the price of 12. The link, once again, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, I know it's our old name, but that's the one that works, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Go there now, learn more, get yourself a VPN. I remembered one other player that I wanted to throw on the all overdrafted list. And you guys are going to hate me for this. And it's going to sound like sour grapes, but it's Darius Garland, who's having a fantastic season at 20 points, two and a half threes, three boards, eight assists, 1.2 steals, 47.7% from the field and 91% at the free throw line. But I think you guys all know where I'm going with this. And it's possible that in the off season, space gets cleared out in a way that allows Garland to sort of pick up where he left off. But this season could not have played out in a way that would have created more opportunity for him than it has. Meaning, Colin Sexton goes down early in the year. The other starting unit player that was going to challenge Garland for ball handling and usage. And then later, Ricky Rubio goes down for the year. The reserve unit player. That was challenging Garland for ball handling and usage, and now he's the only one left. They obviously traded for Levert recently, but that's still kind of feeling its way through. And maybe in the next five to ten games, he starts to take a little bit away from Garland, but it's not going to be much. There's just so much available for him with all the other guys down that this has been a perfect storm. Uh, And he's probably going to get drafted inside the top 40, I would think, next year. Certainly inside the top 50. And top 50 is a little closer to where you could talk me into it, but you know, if he's going like end of third round kind of thing, that to me feels like one of those spots again where folks just get a little bit too enamored with a guard and then go diving in face first. So throw him on that mix as well uh, of guys that basically just hit their perfect spot and... Oh, you know what? One more. Oh, you guys are going to kill me for this one. You're going to kill me for this one, but I got to throw him on the list. It's John Morant, who is just so electrifying. Um, And he's scoring 27 points a game with seven assists at almost 50% from the field. But somehow in this Mondo season, 
where, like, this is a kid who's probably going to get some MVP votes with as well as the Grizzlies have played all year. He's a late fourth rounder. I think that, and even me, I like, that's a number that I think is going to surprise a lot of people. I don't know where he's going to finish this season, you know, a week in there where he was a first rounder again. But after getting off to just a blistering, blistering start this year, Morant, remember, he got off to a crazy hot start, which is actually how last season ended. So we kind of know, I think, that he's a guy who plays with a lot of energy in his game. Basically, since late November, so effectively wiping out the first month of the year where he was a top 15 fantasy play, he's number 55 since then, which admittedly is still a lot higher than I thought he was going to be this season. But that 55 rank, and I get it, you know, 9-cat is different than 8-cat. He's going to be farther up the board in 8-category leagues because 3.5 turnovers is part of the problem. 27 points, 5.5 rebounds, 6.7 assists, a steal half a block, 49% from the field. But still, a pretty significant negative free throw number for him, a negative turnover number, and a negative 3-point number for your lead guard at just 1.33s per game. I could see him improving on his three-pointers. You might see that number work its way up next year. You might even see the free-throw number work its way up. So it's possible that 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 55 range, where he's been sort of cruising since the really hot start, that might be a number he can improve upon. But I got a sneaking suspicion Jaw's going to be getting drafted inside the top 30 next year. And I don't think I can go that heavy on him. Because even with as seemingly perfect as this season's gone. Like, if, if if I if you didn't look at the numbers and I just said, how's job in this year? Myself, all of us, me included, all of you, all of me, doing like a John Legend song over here, uh, I would have probably guessed he was inside the top 30. And he's not. He's 43 and slipping. It's a very weird phenomenon where the things he's not great at are the easiest things to ignore in fantasy. Three-pointers, because he's fine but not very good. Free throw percent, which doesn't look that bad at 75 and change, but his volume's so big that it makes a big deal. And turnovers, so he's going to be a guy who gets drafted super high in head-to-head leagues where everyone and their mother is punting turnovers. But, you know, I like to start at Roto, and then we work from there on this podcast. And as Roto goes, those issues are relevant and evident. I think he probably does improve on the three-pointers and probably does get a little bit better at the foul line for next year. How much, I don't know. It's also possible that his scoring, uh, maybe he doesn't have to do quite as much next season. He probably does. He'll probably still do a lot of stuff. I just... You know, he he strikes me as someone who, kind of like DeMar DeRozan right now, is just going maximum effort every ball game, and that's going to tire someone out. And the Grizzlies have now sort of proven that they're in the mix in the Western Conference. Like, unless they make a massive change in the offseason, if they bring in a big-name guy and it's sort of like, okay, it's time, we got to figure this all out again. That's a team that, to me, feels like they could throw it into cruise control in the regular season as well where maybe Jaw doesn't have to go at 100 miles an hour every single ball game. Would I take him inside the top 40? I would not. Would I take him inside the top 50? I probably would. It's a cutoff. I know, arbitrary a little bit, but maybe I should say, would I take him in the third round? No. Would I take him in the fourth? 
towards the end of it? Yeah, I would. But he's going to go earlier than that. I bet he goes on the second, third turn next year. Between 20 and 28, be my guess. And, of course, guards are always going to go early in the all-overdrafted board here. On uh, As we look towards, I know, getting ahead of ourselves, we still got to get through the, the stretch run of this fantasy season. But it's always important to kind of look ahead and start to just jot down, put a little marker next to some of those names we talked about today. Here are guys that are having their perfect storm. And when I say perfect storm, a lot of times that's an expression that gets used to describe when all the things bad that could happen at the same time. This is actually a perfect storm, as in all of the things that could happen have been perfect. Wiped everybody out made a big leap forward, got off to a super hot start, whatever things you needed to happen to create that confluence have happened for these guys. I'm doing all these ads for Thrive Fantasy, and of course we don't have any games going right now. So today, instead, I'm going to remind you all of our buddies over at manscaped.com. They sent me... The brand new, and it's going to be for March, so it's not out quite yet. It's a brand new package of items. I don't even think they're on the website right now, which is pretty freaking cool for me. Not as cool for you. What I would say is, you want to get something small, easy thing, just kind of treat yourself? The shears, the luxury nail kit, solid. Solid. Or... You could wait, get to March, and get the brand new lip balm. They got a little twistable chapstick. It's going to be a great thing you can use a 20% off coupon for. That's uh, Ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Nice small thing you can pick up there. You can go get some bigger stuff too. They've added two-in-one shampoos and conditioners, body wash, Toners, shaving gel, exfoliant, deodorant, moisturizing spray. Yeah, that's a thing. Foot deodorant. Portable wipes. Blade refills. All this stuff. Oh, the lip mom is there. Sorry, guys. That's up already. It's a three-pack. It's a three-pack for ten ninety nine. You can use your 20% off coupon on that. Take a couple bucks off. Oh, that's solid. It's got a little bit of a, of a uh, minty scent to it, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there it is. Vitamin E, peppermint, eucalyptus oil. It's good stuff. Manscaped.com. Ethos 20, the promo code. 20% off and free shipping. Go get yourself some lip balm, you dry-lipped son of a gun. How's that for a weird ad read? Always one-up yourself. That's the goal here on Fantasy NBA Today. All right, you know what? We're going to put a pin in that. Make this one a half-an-hour show today. Nice and easy. That's like off-season like Tomorrow will be a little bit longer. We're going predicted underdraft list going into next season. And there are a lot of names right now. But the question is, how many of them do we actually want, even if they're getting underdrafted? Is the risk worth it? The potential reward. I'll throw one name at you as we sign off on today's show. Paul George. 
It's going to be wildly underdrafted next year after what everybody's been through with him this season. You could throw Bradley Beal on that mix as well. Is it worth it? Does it come down to where they get drafted? All of that and more on tomorrow's episode of Fantasy NBA Today. For today, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hanging out with us here on the All-Star Break. I'm Dan Bespris at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Prizes, I've still got them. Bug me on the socials. And I'll get you one, maybe, if you're nice about it. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Go to sportsethos.com. Go check out what they got going on over there as well. And Ethos Fantasy BK. Have a delightful Wednesday. Rumble towards the end of February. We'll talk to you Thursday morning. So long, buddy.